Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. It's truth. We've done this each week. We're going to do it again this morning. Would you close your eyes and see if I can recreate this scene the way it plays over in my mind? Peering down the hillside, you see the homestead. It's surrounded by a strong split rail fence. The yard is expansive. The long winding drive cuts down the left side of the property. Cast off toys, long forgotten litter the yard and remind you that time has passed quickly. The house is two stories. It's large but not overwhelming. Black shutters flank each window. The landscaping is manicured and yard is trimmed. In the background, barns are well kept. Swarming activity can be seen as the investments of hard days in the field must now be managed. It's affluent but not flashy. Wealthy but not wasteful. There are prominent features, the windmill, the corrals, the worn tire swing under the aged tree that stands towering alone in the front yard. However, the one feature that stands out above all else is the large, inviting wraparound porch lined with rocking chairs. Uh, A small table holds the oft-used checker set. A sleeping dog stationed near the screen door. Muddy boots from the field are on the first step left there, forgotten. A gathering place at the end of a long day. Iced tea and lemonade have been shared here. There's no better place for late night cups of hot chocolate in the cool of fall evenings. Dates end in the swing on the far end of the porch where long moments of silence are filled with spectacular views of the star-filled sky. The porch has served as base during intense games of tag. It has served as a safe haven from sudden spring showers. Stories and jokes and serious discussions have found an audience here. Laughs and tears and life have been experienced on this porch. This is where the youngest son exits the scenes. He grabs an old duffel bag. He empties out his dresser drawers. He stomps down the stairs determined to make it his own, make it on his own. He leaves his mother shattered in tears. He finds his father in the study and demands an early early inheritance. He opens the screen door as his father sits stunned, confused, scarred and scared. And without hesitation or a second thought, steps off the porch and heads into a new story. The porch. Jesus uses this scene to craft his masterpiece. With that scene repainted in your mind, whether through the drama or through the, the, the Norman Rockwell style version, would you listen to it again? It's found in Luke chapter 15, a condensed version this morning, verses 11 through 24 say this, Then he said, There was once a man who had two sons, and the younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. And after he had gone through all of his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. 
He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs and the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. And when he was still a long ways off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet then get a grain fed heifer and roast it we're going to feast we're going to have a wonderful time my son is here given up for dead and now alive given up for lost and now found and they began to have a wonderful time this son was born for relationship and he steps off the porch and by stepping off the porch he exits the father's protection Once he had daily interaction with his father, now he is in a distant country in a dreadful condition. He's dealing with pigs rather than porch. He's dealing with swine rather than swings. The the pain of famine, the pain of lack of destiny, the pain of meaning no meaning uh, for his entire life forces him to make a decision. And the Bible, this in in this account, Jesus says this this young man makes the decision to make a step back towards his father he gets up and and he begins to rehearse the speech that he's going to make some of you can relate to this aspect of the service or the 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 story because some of you have rehearsed if you will what it would be like to have a relationship with the father again some of you in your own mind have played over what it would be like if I was closer to God what would it be like if I was living in relationship with God but this young man teaches us that a rehearsal does not equal a return it is time to make up your mind and actually put actions towards what you're rehearsing and take some steps and begin the journey home and at at this point in the entire account that the emphasis shifts from the son to the father this father i believe had a daily porch practice i i think on at various times during the day while this young man was gone that he would stand at the screen door and peer out i think perhaps he even came to the first step and would look out on a daily routine he would see is my son coming home is he is he on his way back and then this day came here he is waiting and worrying and 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 working behind the scenes like putting together Easter services in hopes that his son would come home. But this day was different. This day, he, he's, he's straining to see clearly. And on the horizon, for the first time, he sees a long figure approaching. And, and he's straining to see. And, and it catches in his breath. And, and I, see, I see something coming on the horizon. Could it be that it's just my eyes playing tricks on me? Maybe it's an image that I've longed for for so long. Now it's mixed with dust and imagination. So it's produced a mirage. And so he clears his eyes and, and he steps out the porch and he looks and he, he, and he notices and, and the second glance reveals the familiar cadence and the walk 
that he remembers. And I believe in that moment, if you'll let me take some liberties with imagination, I just think in that moment something happened in that father's mind. I think like a video playing over in just one nanosecond. He has this this experience where things begin to play over in his mind. I I think in one moment he can remember the the, the bubblegum cigars that he handed out. I think he can remember when they placed that little bundle of joy in his arms. I I think he can remember the first time that he, he pushed him on his little bike with training wheels and they're about to take them off I think in one moment he relives when his little son hits the ball and rounds first in little league I think in one moment he can recall the night when his little boy woke up with a nightmare and he walks into the room and tucks him in and consoles him and works him through what's happened I think in one moment he can remember the first fish they ever caught together I think he can remember and and he's recalling the long hours they spent side by side in the field and in that moment something happens in the father's heart and he sees his son a long ways off and all of a sudden a moment of sheer relief and thankfulness and joy that the father grabs his robe up and 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 leaving all decorum behind and even leaving judgment behind he runs He makes a dash, a happy dash. You can't call this a mad dash. It's a happy dash. He sprints with everything within him, with all of his ability, and he runs to meet the son that's come home. His son wants to focus on his sin. The father focuses on his son. His son wants to focus on his failure. The father focuses on his family. The son wants his father to hear his speech. His father wants the son to hear his heart. The father hears a planned out speech and a plea to be received as a hired hand. He hears, but he doesn't listen. He can't. He cannot listen because all he can hear is his son. And in this account, what happens is we learn three very important lessons that we need to embrace on Easter morning. The first one that we need to learn is this, is that the father steps off the porch so that the son can step back on to the porch. See, none of us have the right to ever approach the porch again. We have all failed. We have all fallen short. We have all spent way too much time with pigs. Don't, don't, don't elbow your neighbor right now. We, we, we've spent way too much time in the hog pen, in the slop. We, but the Father, knowing that we can't get back to the porch, loved us so much that He steps off the porch and comes to us. That is the story and the truth of Easter. That the Father loved us knowing that the Son couldn't get back on His own. The Son had to begin the journey. The Son had to take the first step. You've done that this morning. If you feel like you're far away from the Father, the fact that you're in the building this morning puts you in in, in company with this young son who was way off and came to his senses. You have taken the first step and you've begun the journey back home. But the truth is this morning is that now the Father must close the distance because Because the sin is too severe and the chasm is too deep and the dirt is too dirty and the rift is too vast and the truth is this morning is you can't get back to the Father on your own but the Father can get to you. See, that's what John attests to in John chapter 1 when he says this, the Word became flesh 
and moved into our neighborhood. What that means is that divinity took on flesh, recognizing that flesh cannot get to divinity. Divinity became flesh and walked right into our slum and right into our project and right into our subdivision and right into our messed up little lives and moved in right next door just like us so that he could reach us. See, the decision to leave the porch was ours. The decision to come back is ours as well. However, actually getting back to the porch could not be accomplished without our Father coming to us. You need to know this morning that as messed up and dirty as you may feel, there is good news. The Father recognized that and stepped off the porch so that you could get back on. There's a second truth this morning. See, make no mistake about it. The son that returned wasn't the same person that left. Let, let, let's not doctor the, the story up. Let, let's just be honest about it. Th this young man wasn't the same young man that left. He was marked by his mistakes. He was dirtied by his decisions. He was contaminated by his choice. He smelled like his dinner partners. Yeah, he was soiled. Sin leaves stains. And worse than the residue left by the stain of his sin was the reality that he was helpless to heal himself. He was powerless to purify himself. And he stands up before his father and he begins to flounder because he realizes he couldn't clean himself up. But I want you to notice something. The details of his demise are left unexplained. Why? Why didn't the father want to know the faults, the flaws, the details? Come on, son, tell me what you did. Tell me how many prostitutes, prostitutes you visited. Tell me how many, how many nights you stayed in the bar. Tell me what you did with my money. Where's, my, where's the inheritance I get? He didn't ask any of the details because he wanted to know his son more than he wanted to know about his sin. Some of you are embarrassed about your sin. And probably should be. We've all been there. We all ought to be shamed of our sin. But this morning, I need to tell you, your father's more concerned about you. Uh, Y'all ain't helping me not on an Easter morning. See, the father knew what he, what he needed to know. A son who was off the porch was now home. And distance of fall does not determine the depth or dictate the offer of the father's love. And the father knew something else. The, the, the father knew something the son didn't know but was just about getting ready to learn. Although the son was powerless, the father wasn't. And although the son couldn't clean himself up, the father could deal with his fall from grace with grace. Oh, y'all missed that on a, uh, I mean, if there was ever a point to shout, we are amazing grace. Come on now. His grace is amazing. I fell from grace, but he applied grace to my fa fall from grace. Okay, y'all, y'all, see, see the, the, the you got to remember the story. The father has already given his son half the inheritance, and that half has been wasted and will never be returned, right? But the father, get this now, the father has held enough back to cover him a second time. See, new shoes. New robe, new ring. So the wasteful son learns the second lesson, in the, and it is this. The father has deep pockets. Yeah, see, isn't that our story? Isn't that your story this morning? 
that, that the truth is, is you, you would like to make things right and you would like to return, but you never seem to be able to conform. You never be able to seem to be able to clean up enough. You would like to approach the, the Father in a position of power, in a, in a place of purity on your own terms, like when I stop such and such and when I quit doing this, then I will come back to the Father. And you realize and, and you walk through this truth that you can't ever seem to get clean enough and you can't ever seem to get right enough and you can't ever seem to stop on your own. And every time you're about to approach the Father, maybe it was last Christmas, maybe it's today at Easter, you're about to approach the Father and the yeah buts begin to play in your mind. Like, I could come to the Father, yeah but. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could live a pure life, but. I, yeah, I could go back to my family, but. I, yeah, I could be fixed and, and resolved, but. I, yeah, I could be whole, but. And we allow all that to play in our minds and to keep us from the Father. Can I help you this morning? Can I help you this morning if that's you? The only ones surprised by our mistake is us. Nobody, the Father's not surprised by our mistakes. In fact, what we discover is that the Father knew and made provision for covering. He's got deep pockets so that while we were yet sinners, in other words, let, let's get it down to where I live. While I was still piling around with pigs, while I was still setting up house in the pig pen, the Bible says, and we celebrate the fact today, that Jesus died for us. He's got deep pockets. In fact, Scripture teaches us that before the foundation of the world, before I even ever fell, how deep are God's pockets? Before I ever even fail, He was making provision for my failure. He's not surprised by our mistakes. He anticipated. So, 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 so some of you need to understand that the Father holds back some blessings and He holds back enough provisions in His pocket because He knew you would blow what He gave you the first time. See, some of you think you've blown your chance at relationship with Christ. Some of you think that you've used up the grace because you turned your back on His grace the first time. But your Father has enough left over to cover you again. I just came to tell somebody that our God is a God of the second chance. And I got even better news than that. He's the God of the third chance. Hey, I got some better news. He's the God of the fourth chance. You want me to keep going? I got great news for you this morning. A hundred times later, his pockets are so deep that he can reach down into the pockets of his forgiveness and grace. And you can come back to him and he can apply enough to cover you again. So all messed up and all marked up, your father has the ability and more importantly the desire to cover you once again. I just need to tell you this morning that the truth, if I was telling this story and, and my, my youngest son uh, had come to me and said, give me half the inheritance right now. In other words, I wish you were dead. And I'd given him everything I could and he left and squandered it all. Now he's coming home. I think I would have run away from him. I would have at least run for my belt. A long one. A long one. But the beauty of this story is the father didn't run away. He ran too. That's what's happening this morning is the father is running to you. See, what the, the third lesson the son discovers. See, the, the, the son already knows this fact. 
The son realizes that he's a party pooper. I mean, I've messed this up. But what he didn't know was that his father was a party animal. See, in the, in the middle of an ignored and an unnecessary speech, the father sets into motion the biggest welcome home party he could throw. He, the entire household is involved. There's food involved. There's fellowship involved. There's, there's barbecued beef. He must have been from Oklahoma. There, there's, there, there's balloons. Y'all got to let me imagine. There's a celebration. There are clowns. Wait a minute. You're adding to the story, Steve. I didn't see any clowns. You can't have a party without clowns. There are clowns in this story. Yeah, I just didn't read it to you. You just keep reading the story and you run smack dab into a full-on licensed and certified clown because there's an older brother that would rather attend a funeral than attend a fiesta. There's a clown in the story. So y'all don't y'all don't look at me. Y'all don't judge me on Easter. The father's a party animal. And and oh by the way, the father likes party favors. He, he favors us with forgiveness. He favors us with relationship. He favors us with the covering of His robe of righteousness because in my own righteousness it's like filthy rags. But now He sees how dirty I am and He covers me again so that when other people look at me they don't see my dirtiness. They see His righteousness and they go, that's His Son. That, that, that he, he favors me with the ring again, the ring of authority. So now I can walk around and operate in the authority that I had walked away from. I had no power over sin. I had no power over death. I had no power over anything in my life. But when I got home, my father's such a, a party animal that he places the family ring back on my finger and says, put it on my tab, put it on my credit. I can cover this one. Give him the authority back and the power back. I had no peace. He says, oh, put, put new sandals on, the, 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 sandals, the, the sandals of peace back into his life. My father's a party animal. And he favors him with fellowship again. He has access now back to the father and back to the family. See, this morning, some of you have taken this first step back. You haven't been, been, been this close to the father in a long time. And the Father's worked all this out for one reason and one reason only. He's making a step towards you. So how do we finalize all this? How do we set all this into motion? How does this, how does this take place? It's very simple to experience a porch party. All you got to do is accept the invitation. In fact, if you go backwards, I, I don't have time to go backwards, but in Luke chapter 15 that I read to you out, you, all you got to do is go four verses earlier before he ever tells this story. And Jesus says that every time a lost son comes home, the angels in heaven start partying. Now, not your kind of party, but it's a, it's a little different kind of party. Okay, I just want to clarify. Uh, they're not, but they're partying. They're celebrating. A lost son has come home. So, so, so all that has to take place is that here are the, here's the ingredient. The father's here. You're here. Accept the invitation and let's party. That's it. It's that easy. It's that simple. So, so, so look, can I clue you in because some of y'all are scared of clowns? There are no clowns here. 
there's nobody here that's going to be like the older brother saying, I can't believe y'all, y'all let them in that church, man. Have you, if you, no. You got folks in here that love you. In fact, for some of you this morning, you didn't know this, but some of the folks sitting next to you have been praying for you for like two solid years. We call them our movers cards. Every Sunday morning, we hold them up. We didn't do it this morning because you're here. And we pray over you and say, God, whatever it takes, bring them home. Because, see, here, here's what I want you to hear from me this morning. You don't have to just celebrate resurrection. You can experience it. How? Because when you walked in here, you were dead. But when you accept the invitation and the party starts, you can walk out of here alive. And you walked in here lost. But you can walk away found. Maria's husband had died when Christina was just an infant. The young mother stubbornly refused opportunities to remarry. She got a job and she set out on the task of raising her young daughter. And now 15 years later, the worst years were over. Maria, her job was that of a maid and it didn't afford a lot of luxuries, but it was reliable and it did. It provided their food and their clothing. And now Christina was finally old enough to go out and get a job of her own and finally help the family out. The problem was that Christina, at a young age, began to talk about going to the city. She dreamed of trading her dusty neighborhoods for the exciting avenues and city life. But just the thought of that terrified her mother Maria because Maria knew exactly what Christina would have to do or what she would do to make a living. That's why one morning when Maria woke up and walked into the little pallet area Christina would sleep in and she was gone and all of her clothes were gone and all of her belongings were gone. Maria's heart was broken. Knowing where her father, her, her daughter was headed, she, uh, she quickly grabbed a bag. Maria quickly grabbed a bag and threw in a few clothes and she gathered up all the money she had. And she ran out of the house. She was on her way to the bus stop and she entered a drugstore to get one last thing. In that little drugstore, there was a photograph booth. And so Maria took as much money as she could spare. And she sat down in that photograph booth. And she took as many pictures as she could possibly take. With her purse full of little black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew that Christina had no way of earning any money. And so she also knew that her daughter was extremely stubborn and wouldn't give up. And when pride meets hunger, a human will do things that were before unthinkable. Knowing this, Maria began her search. She went to bars. She went to hotels. She went to nightclubs. She went to any place that had a reputation for streetwalkers or prostitutes. She went to them all. And at each place, she took a little picture and she would tape it on the bathroom mirror or she would tack it to the hotel bulletin board or she would fasten it, to a, fasten it to the corner phone booth. And on the back of each photo, she would write a little note. 
but it wasn't long and her money and her pictures ran out. And so weeping and destroyed, Maria boarded the bus and went back to her dusty little village. A few weeks later, young Christina descended the hotel stairs. Her young face was tired. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but they spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet, but the little village was in too many ways too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again, and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. It caught her attention. With a catch in her throat and tears beginning to form in her eyes, she made her way to that mirror and she made sure, yes, it was a picture of her mother. She reached out and she grabbed the picture. She flipped it over. And written on the back was an invitation to a porch party. It simply said this. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. She did. And I stand here on an Easter morning to say to you, whatever you've done and whatever you've become, it doesn't matter because your father stepped off the porch and your father has deep pockets. And your father is a party animal. And he desires more than anything else in your entire life to throw a party for She went home. Will you? The father wants to party this morning. But you can't have a party if nobody responds to the invitation. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, this is a special morning. There are sons and daughters in the building that for many of them, they have walked away. And because of the invite of a family member or a friend, this is not normally what they do on Sundays. They find themselves closer to you than they've been in a long time. They listened as the songs have been sung. They felt something going off in their spirit. They watched the drama and realized that you've been waiting on them. They've heard this word. Father, many of us have walked into this room dirty and marked and soiled. Ashamed.
offended and embarrassed. But the good news this morning is we're here. And you've been waiting for us all along. And we've heard the truth this morning. You love us so much that you made provision by sending your son to be just like us so that we could get back into your favor. And the good news is even if we've turned our back on grace before, you still have enough left over to cover us. And the good news is you love us so much you will open your arms and accept us and party because you're so excited that we've come home. I pray this morning that we would take this opportunity to accept an invitation regardless of what we've done or who we've become or far, how far away we may feel. I pray that we would make it right this morning in Jesus' name. Every head up, every eye open. We don't do it like this normally around here, but we're going to this morning, not because we want to embarrass you, but we need you to understand that everybody that stands in here that is close to the Father was once a son way off. And we want to celebrate with you because we are excited about the fact that you can know him like we know him. And it's the best day of not only his life, it's the best day of our life because we're not clowns. And we recognize we're getting brothers and sisters back that have been lost. So if you're here this morning, what could be more appropriate than, than this on an Easter morning? Sons are resurrected to life. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, you don't have fellowship with the Father. You're not in relationship. You feel like you're far away. doesn't matter if you've been close and walked away or if you've never been close. This is your invitation this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you do this as they sing? Would you just step out from where you are as, as, as a symbolism? I'm accepting the invitation to the party. Would you just step out and come and stand right here so that we can pray with you and we can celebrate with you? Come on, come on. Is there one this morning that needs to know him? Is there one that wants to surrender their life? Is there one that's brave enough this morning to say, hey, I'm the son, I'm the daughter that was far away. Is there one? Come on, as they sing.
this morning in the building that have accepted you and are now part of the family. Father, we refuse to look at them like older brothers and, and be unhappy about it. We celebrate with what makes you happy. We recognize a party five times over is going on in heaven right now. We celebrate Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, turn to somebody right now and say, it's good to be part of the family before you're seated real quick. It's good to be part of the family. Amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.